You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 191. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Ryan Steck, who is a freelance editor and founder and editor-in-chief of The Real Book Spy one of the best book review sites out there for thrillers. Ryan has been named an online influencer by Amazon and is a regular columnist at Crime Reads. His debut novel, Fields of Fire, came out on September 6th. It's a fast-paced thriller featuring elite Marine Raider Matthew Red heading home to rural Montana where he uncovers a dark global conspiracy. It's a great debut and it's been widely praised by a who's who list of best-selling authors, including Jack Carr, C.J. Box, Mark Graney, and Kyle Mills, just to name a few. I had a great time talking with Ryan about his transition from book reviewer and influencer to being on the other side of the table as a novelist, and a whole lot more. I had a lot of fun talking with Ryan, uh, so check out that interview. Uh, by the way, if you want notifications of when I release a new episode or to get notified of great deals on mystery and thriller books, uh, sign up for my email list at thrillingreads.com forward slash join. All right, here is my interview with Ryan Steck. Hey, everybody, this is uh, Alan with Meet the Thriller Author. And on the podcast today, I have uh, Ryan Steck, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of The Real Book Spy. Uh, he's also a freelance editor. And his debut novel, Fields of Fire, uh, is publishing. Uh, we're, we're recording this on September 6th. So today, congratulations, Ryan. Hey, thank you so much, man. So, you know, one of the, the, the first thing I wanted to ask you when, I, when uh, scheduling for this interview is because, so you've been the go-to guy for all these thriller authors, the real book spy, of course. Everybody knows what the, who the real book spy is. And now you're on the other side. <laughs> Does that feel weird? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'll tell you a funny story. So, um, you know, Jack Carr, everyone knows who Jack Carr is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Number one New York Times bestselling author, The Terminalist, now a major uh, number one TV show on Amazon Prime with Chris Pratt. <laughs> I've known Jack since before Terminalist came out. So I go way back with him. Uh, honored to call him a friend. <clears throat> I've interviewed him like 20 times. Like there was a, one of his books came out. We did an Instagram live every night together for like two weeks. So I've literally interviewed this guy like 20 times and I, I did his podcast danger close. And I realized like halfway through, I was asking him questions. <laughs> yeah. So you also you fall back on it. Huh? <laughs> I was like, I'm so used to being on the other side of this yeah. conversation, man. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. That's wild. So uh, before we get into your writing and your books, uh, uh, so how did you get into it? How did you become the real book spy? <laughs> I wish, you know, you'd think after like nine years, I'd have a good answer to that question. I don't, a lot of people have asked me it. I've been really blessed throughout my career. So I started as just a big fan. I'm a huge fan of Mitch Rapp and Vince Flynn. Mm -hmm. When Vince Flynn passed away, uh, at that time, I was a really struggling first-year sports writer dealing with dyslexia. And I loved Vince Flynn because I had Googled uh, when I was diagnosed as an adult with dyslexia. My doctor said, hey, just go read. It will help. And so I Googled dyslexic authors. I thought, hey, if you can be dyslexic and be an author, like you probably figured this out. And Vince Flynn came up been in love with them ever since i think mitch rap is uh my favorite character ever created i think he's the best one ever created and i was practicing to get back to sports writing and a lot of people don't know when you're like writing sports columns you watch the game and you're taking notes so when i'm reading the mitch rap books i was taking notes and i ended up putting it all on the internet as a form it really was just practice for me to get back to what i thought was my career 
and um, I created this Mitch Rat fan site. And uh, when when Vince passed away, Kyle Mills was hired to take over that series, and Kyle couldn't be more different. Vince was did an outline, just kind of wrote by the seat of his pants. Kyle is a hard outliner, thirty thousand word outlines, very detailed. And he had said, you know, send me everything. Vince had all the notes, everything. Well, he didn't leave anything behind. And Simon and Schuster at the time, uh, publicist extraordinaire David Brown uh, at Atrium Mystery Bus on Twitter, he discovered what I had done in the Mitch Rap world and connected Kyle and I. From there, I think other authors realized how much I loved this genre, these characters. The thing about being a big Vince Flynn fan is almost everyone in this business is, right? Mm -hmm. If you're like a fan of thrillers, everyone loved Vince. And so I bonded with a lot of people and it was talking with authors. So I started writing reviews for other outlets and doing freelance reviews and I was editing and I was talking to so many author friends at the time. This is like eight years, eight, nine years ago. And they were like, you know, there's never been like that one spot for thrillers and the more i thought about it i don't watch the academy awards every year but i always look to see what won mm -hmm. i've never seen any of the the movies that win best picture ever i've never even heard of them most of the time i like um john wick and fast and the furious man and jason Bourne, and <laughs> i like the movies that make a billion dollars avengers but that never win the awards thrillers are kind of that same thing in the literary world you know and so i saw this space where there's so many thriller fans and there was not this like one-stop shop for all things thriller. And I was just kind of dedicated to try my hand at creating that. And because I knew authors and had support and had already written a lot of reviews, it just sort of took off, man. I just got really lucky. Okay. So you always wanted to be a writer then you, you started as a sports writer. So that was, is it always been in your DNA that you wanted to write? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I loved sports. Like I love, I love football. You know, I love college and NFL and I love thrillers. And when I'm passionate about something, I like to talk about it. And I never, I don't have the radio voice, you know, so, <laughs> so I never thought that was me. I don't, um, I don't have the background to hop on TV and talk about it, but you know, print is a medium where I think anyone can thrive if you're passionate. So yeah, I think that was something I always wanted to do. So now tell us about uh, your debut novel, The uh, Field, Fields of Fire. Uh, that's got to be so exciting. I haven't finished reading it, but I started uh, got a, a, an advanced copy from your publisher. So it was, it's been really awesome. Uh, tell us about it. How did that come together? How long has that been percolating in your head? Yeah, thank you. First of all, I hope you love it, man. This, this book has been with me for a long time. When I say a long time, uh, Fields of Fire stars a character named Matthew Red. He's a former Marine Raider. I first created him in 10th grade. Uh, I was in an English assignment, 10th grade English. We had a creative writing class and we had an intern and this intern, her name is Shay Vanderstelt Wentz. She's very near and dear to me now. I uh, love her to death. But many years ago, she was, she was new. She assigned us this writing um, assignment that was so open-ended like it was like write about whatever you want you can swear there can be violence you can do anything you want now we're in high school man i'm in 10th grade i was like 15 at the time no one ever told me i could do that it was like i'm cutting loose and i remember i had friends that were just <clears throat> excuse me they were just excited to like swear and you know right and i was like i took this seriously like i was like i need to go home and plan this story out and i wrote about this teenage vigilante named maddie red who protects his school from an attack turned it in and i can literally still remember uh, the next day, I didn't know this assignment would be peer to peer. So this poor kid named Trenton Hearn had to read my story out loud in class the next day. And he kept looking at the teacher like, should I be reading this? Because this feels dicey, you know? 
Next day, I got called down to the principal's office and the superintendent was there. My parents were there and they were like, you know, he went way overboard with this. Like, we have to suspend him. And I had those parents like I got in trouble a lot in school for goofing off. I had these parents who are like, if you're in trouble at school, you're in trouble at home. This is the one time I wasn't in trouble at home. My parents were like, he did the assignment, right? And he actually wrote it very well. And they were like, well, it's just, it's way too much violence, way too much language. We can't not suspend him. So I got uh, a week long suspension. And the joke that I keep telling that principal is now the principal for my children. I have six kids. <laughs> And I told them, you know, jokes on you. I got a week off school and a book deal out of this. So <laughs> now in my adult life, I got thinking one day about six and a half years ago, what would Maddie Red be up to now? You know, and I have a different perspective on life as a, as an adult, as a father. What would his life look like? At the same time, I was I knew I wanted to write a book. I'd been in a I still freelance edit for everyone from New York Times bestselling authors right on down to hopeful debuts, people that reach out looking for help. I still edit. But. I've covered like 2000 books. I've edited a lot. And I kept thinking, what on earth could I write that wouldn't be close to anything I've worked on in any capacity? Because I never want to put a book out and people are like, oh, you must have got that from, you know, whatever. And so it hit me one day that we never see Mitch Rapp. We never see Jason Bourne out West. We never see that. And I thought, you know, that's where I'm going to send Red. So my hero, Red, all grown up now. He's been with me a long time. Six years ago, yeah, I started the first draft. Red is all grown up now. He's a former Marine Raider, like I said, who, uh, when we first meet him, is, is still part of the military and is kicked out for reasons that uh, he can't really control. Devastated, he goes back to his hometown of Wellington, Montana, for the first time in over a decade and finds his adopted father murdered. The details don't sit right with Red. So the more he pokes around and investigates, the more information comes to light. And in doing so, he unearths a global conspiracy right in the heart of Montana that only he can stop. Yeah, that's what I really loved about your book. It's uh, it, it really blends like the uh, action military thriller and like a good old crime thriller, which I love. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so that's kind of a that was a kind of a, a surprise. I thought it was going to be like a straight up, uh, uh, you know, military type of political thriller. And uh, but I love the criminal uh, uh, aspect of it. Are you? Is that something that you were a fan of as well? Uh, yes, and I'll tell you what's funny is. I realized pretty quickly this was almost like a modern day Western mm -hmm. when I was writing it. Now, I wrote this thing six years ago. I remember talking to my agent. I said, it's a modern day Western, but I'll never call it that publicly because Westerns aren't popular. No one likes that. Well, here we are today. I, I, when I signed my book deal 18 months ago, I had said to my publisher, it's really a modern day Western, but I'll probably never say that publicly. <laughs> I start every interview now with like, so anyways, this is a modern day Western because Yellowstone is huge. 1883 is huge. <laughs> like the Western is like exploded. And I was like, you know, I mean, if you look at the cover, we were trying to be subtle uh, that it's kind of a modern day Western looking at the cover of Fields of Fire in its heart. That's what it is, you know, and I think red encompasses that this this wild West, this view that we have on the West, you know, those corny lines that. We see in every Western where they're like, call 911. And the, the protagonist says, I am 911. <laughs> it's, yeah, that line is tired, but it's true though, right? You go out to Montana, and if you need backup, that's hours, maybe days, not minutes. And I thought that in of itself really heightens the stakes. You really are alone there. And, and you really have to figure out everything on your own and you're isolated. And, and I like that. I love action thrillers and political thrillers, but like, I'm not Vince Flynn. I never, he is my all time favorite author, but I never thought I could write in that space ever. I don't, I, 
I would be terrified if someone asked me to write a book like that. My second favorite author is CJ Box. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love CJ Box, yeah. So Chuck is another guy I get to call a friend. And when I told my agent, again, six years ago, I said, I'm going to write a book that's going to be Vince Flynn meets CJ Box. And I remember he said to me, like, the hell's that look like and i said give me like a year we're gonna find out i didn't know if i could pull it off but it, but that was what i was going for was vince flynn meets cj box and i love that cj box writes modern day westerns that are also crime thrillers mm-hmm. and some of his are more political thriller more action thriller and i just like that variety and i think montana is the perfect place where you can get away with doing a little bit of all that you're hitting this new popularity uh, at the beginning <laughs> versus what is going on. Yeah, it worked out yeah, pretty good, well. Good timing, lie. man. Good timing. <laughs> so it was like, oh, Ryan, yeah, he's a smart guy. He's jumping into that because uh, it's popular now, not knowing that you've been working on this for years. <laughs> I mean, uh, I got lucky with that. I'm usually really bad with like headline beating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So are you familiar at all with the Georgia Guidestones? Have you ever heard of the Georgia Guidestones? No. So, all right, Google them. And if you're listening to this, go back and Google it. It's this crazy thing that's shrouded in in mystery that no one really knows where they came from. But it's like, just just Google it. Trust me. It it, it sort of feeds into the plot for Fields of Fire. So I don't want to give anything away. But I opened the book with the Georgia Guidestones originally. And just recently, they were blown up. And it was all in the news. And I called my agent very excited and was like, yes, like th- this is awesome for me. Right. Cause people are probably going to want interviews. Like this is all in my book. And he was like, um, yeah, yeah. But you took that out. And I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't take that. I would never do that. I left that in. And he's like, no, you took it out. And I literally ran here into my office and grabbed one of the galley copies, uh, the early, the early prints of fields of fire. And I opened it and it was gone. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, man. That was like my shot to be the headline, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I, it feels good to have arrived. I think we're going to see a lot of authors trying their hand at more modern day Westerns, even if they don't say that's what they're doing. I think you're going to notice a, a, a nuanced shift to people trying a little more because it is so popular right now. Taylor Sheridan, right? He's the one who's doing those, uh, the movies, the hell, I can't remember. High Water. Yes. Yeah. Love that one. That was that was great. Wind River. Yes. Um, Yellowstone, 1883. Mm. The new one, I can't remember what it's called. It's another, it's a date, but it's got Harrison Ford, Helen Mirian. Like, oh wow. Yeah. It it's crazy, man. Um, we're seeing that explode. And so for me, yes, I was I was sitting there like this could be good timing. <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was for, for business, you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. So now uh, so what about your writing process now? Do you uh, do you outline? Do you write by seat of your pants? What's your process like? I'm not an outliner, but I'm I'm kind of forced to be. Um and this I say this jokingly, but it is true. So I told my agent, you know, I signed a two book deal, Fields of Fire was done. I was going to write book 2, it's called Lethal Range, comes out next August, which is done and turned in and everything. But when I was going to sit down to write it, I said to my agent, you know, I can't I'm not going to do an outline. And he's like, "Well, the publisher needs an outline." And I was like, "Yeah, but I can't do one. I'm just going to write it and turn it in." And he's like, so you have a payment tied to turning your outline in. And I was like, oof, I'm going to have to write an outline. <laughs> yeah. so, okay, I'm an outliner. <laughs> so let me figure that out. Um, and it also, I fully transparent makes me a hypocrite because when I'm an editor, I tell all my clients, we need to outline. And that's really so I can get involved early and I can look at the story and the plotting and raise raise red flags and you know help along the way, <clears throat> the way I'm seeing it. But for myself, I... When I launched the book spy and I was editing full time, I was working a hundred hours a week. And I'm, I'm not joking. There's like seven years. I never really had a day off. 
other than like maybe here and there. So I kind of worked uh, myself to death and I, I just work better when I'm constantly busy. However, I don't have all day to sit down and write. Still running the books by, still editing. I'm now a Twitch streamer, by the way. So I stream on Twitch every night, which oh. is, a gro- yeah, growing a community there and getting to know readers and people. So I, well, here's what I do. I, I can't sit down at a computer to write unless I know exactly what I'm writing. So I write about two hours a night. Um, my schedule, I usually get up really early. I do books by stuff. I start reading a book. Lunchtime rolls around. I do editorial calls, stuff like that with clients. I'm thinking every day, I try to write a chapter a day, two hours, write 1,500 to 2,000 words. If you do that consistently, in two months, you have a first draft. 100,000 words is pretty standard uh, length for a thriller novel. I think all day, what's the chapter I have to write? What's the scene I have to write? And I let it play in my head over and over until I get it just right. And then usually uh, I stream from like 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. When I'm off stream, I usually write from like 10 to midnight, and then I go to bed. And from 10 to midnight, man, I just sit down and I, I let that scene play and I just write it out as fast as I can. And then I literally go to sleep thinking about tomorrow. Like I usually will put myself in a corner, you know, I've had a lot of calls with my publishers, uh, with my publisher where they go, Hey, Ryan, this is really great. We can't wait to see how you get read out of this jam. And I'm like, me too. (laughs) I hope I can figure it out. And, uh, I, I mean, I wake up, I'm brushing my teeth in the shower, like thinking about it. What am I writing tonight? And so I spend all day. Uh, on my other jobs, right? And and thinking about this, and then 10, 10 p.m. rolls around, I sit down and just start cranking it out. It doesn't have to be good. There's a saying in our industry, you can fix bad pages, you can't fix blank pages. Mm-hmm. So I know if I just get that first draft out in like two months, I can edit it for as long as I need. I can cut, I can add, I can tweak, I can make it better. But if I just get the story out, I can see it, I can move it around, I can do whatever I have to, and I can fix it. But I just got to get it out. And so... That's my process. I don't think it will work for everyone, but I, I do believe that uh, writing every day is essential. Now, you mentioned, though, that your, your second book is coming out next year. Is that so? Is that a, a different? Uh, is this part of the series? Or is that a different? Yep. Uh, oh, okay. So it isn't a, number yep, two. All right. The, uh, awesome. Second Matthew Red book. We're, we're really hoping that, um, you know, we get a renewal for more books and to keep this series going. My plan is to be writing Matthew Red thrillers for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I literally had sat down and sketched out like the first seven books. So I kind of knew where the series was going, what's happening. I'm really proud of Fields of Fire. Like I really, really am. And so I I feel bad saying this, but I'm so pumped up about next year's book. Um, The first books are tricky because you're introducing characters, you're world building. Two, you're bringing readers back, hopefully. So they already have an understanding of the characters, the setting and all that. And you can just go for it. And Fields of Fire, again, very, very proud. I'm not taking anything away from that. I, I'm really proud of this book. But uh, book two, Lethal Range, is I, I really went for it. That's more, there's more action, um, more explosions, you know, stuff like a little bit more of what you'd see from maybe like a Vince Flynn action wise, but again, still right in the heart of Montana. Oh, I love that title, Lethal Range. Pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> and so, uh, and Another writing question that I always have for my guests because I'm I'm Snoopy. Um, So what do you do use to write? Use Word or use some other uh, software program? Yeah, I use Word, and like I have clients that swear by other softwares and Scrivener and everything Mm -hmm. else, and that's fine. But I've been in the industry a long time, and all the publishers, everyone uses Word. Yeah. So it's like you can use whatever you want to write it, but like when it gets to me to edit it, it's going to need to be in Word. So I just work in Word. Um. 
would it be easier to write in other software programs potentially but the, i think the learning curve for me again i just need to be able to sit down and write you know get this scene out every day and that's so so for me that's what i do but you know i have a lot of clients that write by hand and then oh, put really? it in. yeah i do oh. i have a lot of author clients that and author friends by the way um daniel silva is um another guy i absolutely love him and his wife jamie gangle daniel silva's probably in my opinion one of the top two greatest spy novelists of all time. Yeah, I agree. He writes every draft by hand. Oh, Nelson DeMille that. writes by hand. Like, it's crazy. I could never do that. So to me, like, they're like the, you know, the ones that are, like, I feel like people look at me, they're like, you still use Word? And I'm like, listen, Daniel Silva's <laughs> writing by pencil and paper, okay? So I'm I'm with the the times. Let's at least acknowledge that. But yeah, I... I've, I've played around with Scrivener a little bit. I think there's tools and other programs that could help newer writers. But for me, I just use Word. And what about the research? Uh, do you put in a lot of research? What's your research process like? Yeah, uh, a lot. Because I don't know everything I'm writing. Thankfully, being a book spy, being an editor, comes. With, I have a lot of connections. I had a pretty healthy Rolodex of people to call on. Uh, I, I already said Jack Carr. I, I bothered him a lot for details. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not former military. So, you know, all the time I'm texting, you know, these people like what gun would he use here? And, and then I have to go research that man, you know, and, and same thing with, um, I live in Michigan. The, this series is set in Montana. So the amount of research and I'm going back soon, uh, the amount of research for that is, is overwhelming at times. I try really hard to, if I know most of the story, I try to get the research done before I start writing. Because I do think it's really hard if you're writing and you're like, oh, shoot, I got to research this. I just think that kind of throws your mojo off. So I do try to do the research ahead of time. But yeah, there's I mean, there's no way around the research. I do think that's what separates a lot of people that want to be authors. And then people that got published is you can write really good stuff, but it's not quite accurate. It's it's not quite where it needs to be or doesn't pass, you know, the authenticity test. I'll be honest with you. Alan, I didn't know I passed that test until uh, CJ Box blurbed uh, Fields of Fire on the cover. And when he called it a terrific sense of big sky country, I was like, oh, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) No one knows that area like like Chuck Box. Um, So things like that. But yeah, the research is you can't cheat it, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, too, I really love your cover. Uh, what kind of do you have any input on that or how does that work out? Uh, I know that it varies with publishers and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it was funny um, when we sat down to do the cover discussions for Fields of Fire. My publisher, they're so great to me, Tyndale House. Uh, I, I love everyone there and they're so supportive and great. And they were like, Ryan, you've worked on so many books. You probably thought and know exactly what you want this to look like. And I was like, yeah, actually, I really haven't thought about it, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Like, <clears throat> that probably sounds bad, but, and even worse, I don't know what I like. I just know what I don't like. Mm. Like, I didn't, I'm not visual enough, like, from an artistic standpoint to know what will look good. And so I sit in these meetings with the design team, and I just throw crazy stuff at them. And, I, and you know, they're like, well, how do you think that will turn out? And I'm like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> look forward to seeing it, you know? Um, and, um, God bless them because they came back with like the guy who does my, uh, my covers name is Dean at Tyndale. And he gave out like five samples. And the way it works is you, you take those samples and you pick the one you like, and then you can start tweaking and changing. And it's like, we all agree. This is the direction. And, um, with fields of fire, 
it took shape pretty quickly, man. Uh, we, we had some discussions. Everyone sort of agreed the color scheme made sense for red. It, the character name is Matthew red mm-hmm. fields of fire. You think of red. So that one was easy. I wanted mountains on it. You know, that wasn't on it originally wanted to play up the sky a little bit, but like very simple things. Um, the cover process was so painless because they're all so good at their jobs that it made me, all I just did was like, sit there and like, yeah, I I like that. I don't, you know, it was so simple. I will tell you though. And again, I'm not, I hate to sound like I'm minimizing fields of fire, but the cover for lethal range that we're going to be unveiling real soon is like, absolutely blows me away. So they nailed it again. But um, you can see behind me, I have mm-hmm. the cover uh, uh, on the wall. And I, yeah, I really like it, man. I think it turned out great. I wish I could like say, oh, that was the conception I always had, you know, like from the <laughs> beginning. No, not at all. That was, that was all the, the art people at Tyndale. Ryan, I know you're, you're, you're super busy today with your pub day. So I'm not going to take too much of your time. One question I always ask of my guests, and you're a good one because you've been an editor and uh, and you've reviewed thousands and thousands of books. So what advice do you have for aspiring writers, uh, thriller writers that are listening to the podcast? Write every day. Uh, people say write, but you know, I don't necessarily believe if that were true, I'd be writing books about writing books, you know, <laughs> write what you want to read, because if you're having fun writing it, people will have fun reading it. That's the thought process. If you're not having fun writing it, no one will have fun reading it beyond that work hard, you know, write every day because the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then if it's something you're really serious about, and this is not like a plug for myself, but anyone get an editor, mm-hmm. uh, get someone. Cause you can never judge your own work. Um, I can't, you know, I I'm a full-time editor and a critic and I still don't know if my stuff is good. I rely on my agent, uh, John Talbot, who was also an editor early on in Clancy's career. And I, and, and my editor at Tyndale, Sarah Risky, I can't judge when I finished book two, I was really excited, but I was like, I don't know if this sucks or not. Like mm-hmm. you need someone else to tell you your brain will always read your own work the way you meant to write it. You will never know. And, and I do this all the time as an editor, man, people send me stuff and there's absolutely no visual descriptions. And I'll ask them like, what's this setting look like? And they'll explain it. And it it's beautiful. And I'm like, why is that not in there? And it's yeah. because our brain so sees it in our mind that we just sort of gloss over it when we're writing it. And you need someone to, pull the best out of you. Like you really, really do. Um, so I would really encourage people. If you want to be an author, you want to get published, find someone that has experience. Um, and I, and I still edit. And, and by the way, people can always reach out to me at Ryan at the real And I can recommend others too, but find someone that knows what they're doing a little bit that can help you in that process and then help you in the query process. Cause getting an agent is really hard these days and uh have someone that knows how to make your query stand out you know and um and then just don't quit keep going all right well that's good advice ryan uh thanks so much for uh for being on the podcast and again congrats on the uh, on your debut novel really exciting thank you so much for having me man thank you for listening to meet the thriller author I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. 
As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, show. If you have done that already, I thank you. Uh, I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more, uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links. All my links will be uh, on that uh, page. So that's it for this episode. Uh, See you next time and stay safe out there.